Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Welcome to the Bud Zone. Please give a listen as we talk with our buds in the faith about the present rule and reign of our King of Kings and Lord of Lords in his church and over his world. Greetings and welcome to this episode of the Bud Zone Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate it. I want to take a minute and remind everyone about the purpose of this podcast. The goal here is to profile the ongoing work of the Lord in saving his elect, sanctifying his saints, building his church, expanding his kingdom, things he is always doing. And we do that here by talking with some of our buds in the faith who are the means he's using to accomplish those things. So today, I am very pleased to have joining me all the way from Moscow, Idaho, Marcus Pittman. Marcus, greetings to you, brother. Greetings. Thanks for having me. You are uh, most recently known as the founder and CEO of Lure TV. That's L-O-O-R dot TV. Um, I appreciate you taking time to speak with me. We're going to talk about this uh project that you've got underway, but, yeah. um, you have quite an impressive background. Uh, I've known about some of the things you've done. Uh, you have produced a number of notable documentaries, including babies or murder here and a sequel to that. I think you worked with Jeff Durbin in, uh, mm-hmm. Apologia studio, right? Uh, you, you, you guys together kind of established that right at, at his church. Yeah. We started that 2015, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so now you're the founder and CEO of uh, Lure TV, and you've got some right. colleagues involved in that as well. You want to mention who that is? Yeah. Uh, John Speed, Jason Farley, and Nathaniel Talbot okay. are four of our founders. Uh, all three of them are elders. I'm the only one that's not an elder. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, we'll pray for you. And yeah, we'll see, see what happens, right? Um, well, give us a little bit more. Augment that that sort of bio. Introduce yourself a little more fully for folks. Yeah, so I, um, you know, I was you know brought up in a Christian home and was always doing ministry stuff all my life and got involved in Way of the Master. Was pretty thorough with doing street preaching and stuff. Taught mm-hmm. the Ambassador Academy with. Ray and Kirk back when they were doing that. And that's where kind of, that's how I got to meet John Speed um, through doing an evangelism event for Wretched a while back ago. And me and him became friends. We started doing documentaries. We did Babies Are Murdered Here. Um, And then, uh, yeah, that got me and that got Jeff Durbin's attention. And he saw that movie 
invited me to speak at a conference. And from that conference, he offered me a job to basically come and build out the studio. Um, they were renting a Christian radio station at the time. And so we pulled away from that and started building our own studio and, uh, that we grew that to, I mean, by the time I, it's more now, but by the time I left, it was at 250,000 YouTube subscribers. And wow. um, it was, uh, yeah, it was insane. Uh, we came in right on time before YouTube started <laughs> really censoring stuff. Facebook too, Facebook, you know, before Facebook started censoring stuff. And so, yeah, so we, I mean, we built that out and then um, I took, a year off from apologia and got a job as the head of uh, video production for the ad agency that uh, did all of pure Flix's advertising and marketing. Okay. Um, and uh, so did that for about a year, uh, realized that Christian movies are absolute trash and they're not going to get any better. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe I could, maybe I could help, uh, but just realized that wasn't the case. They, they were, in the process, they just really, their goal was to get bought by Sony. Um, I didn't know that at the time when I was there, but uh, now it's clear that that was what they were doing. Um, and so uh, anyway, so I went back to Jeff and I said, I just want to spend an entire year making one documentary. Um, and can you pay me one year salary to do one movie? Um, and that was Babies Are Still Murdered Here. And uh, that was a sequel. And that was more of the political discussion about why the pro-life organizations are corrupt and, and whatnot. And so seeing all that, um, was, it was, it was fun to spend a year and make a movie. And then, um, uh, we put it on Amazon prime and it got deleted from Amazon prime. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's when I said, okay, we got to solve this Christian media problem. <laughs> and that's how, that's how I came up with lore. So that was, basically solving the problems of Christians not having funding or distribution for their movies. Okay. Well, let me back up now. Did you have a background in, in media in multimedia? I mean, is yeah, this I, I mean, I, I famously worked for wretched for three weeks before I got fired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I moved down, I, I was doing, I, my, my first video production job was at a Bible camp as a camp counselor. And then the next year they, the camp director said, Hey, why don't you, can you film kids and edit videos of them every week and sell the DVDs of their kids to their parents? And I was like, yeah, I could do that. But I, I didn't know how to do it. Uh, but I just, I just Googled um, as much as I could got my first video production job um, at this Bible camp and then was able to get a, an, an internship at a local government school radio station propaganda uh, channel. Um, it was <laughs> It was pure, pure, purely propaganda for the government schools. Uh, looking back on it, it's fun. Um, but, 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 uh, so I did that. And then uh, from there, somehow um, got connected with Chocolate Knox, David Shannon. And uh, he said, you should come and work at Wretched. And so he got me hired, um, got, was there for three weeks and they got fired. Uh, partly because it was way out of my skill set. Um, and then also, I think the training just took a lot longer than they re realized, but I convinced Todd to keep me on six months part-time uh, while he looked for someone to replace me. And he did. <laughs> so, uh, but, but, but during that time, me and David became really good friends. Uh, he, David invited me to move into his, he had like a basement in-law suite. Um, so I moved into his basically rented out his downstairs of his house. Um, and, uh, 
we lived uh, uh, maybe two years, probably we lived together and we started making videos and uh, that led to us getting connected with Darren Doan and Darren Doan connected us with Gary DeMar at American Vision. And so yeah. David went to go work full time with American Vision and then my company, uh, Crown Rights Media, produced all the documentaries, helped David producing the documentaries. So everything that American Vision did, whether it was How to Answer the Fool or Symposium on Revelation um, or Baptism is Not Enough, I think those were the three three documentaries that we did while, while over the course that we were there. So, so, so yeah, we all did. Yeah, I mean, you were, you were involved in all of that. Wow. I yeah. Didn't, we, it was I all didn't realize that. Yeah. So we, we did all those. Um, and then uh, from there I went to Apologia and David went with Darren to what became Idaho. And then uh, once I started doing more, I just wanted to be around a bunch of uh, wise Christian businessmen who have built, big companies. Um, and, uh, Moscow was the place for that. A lot of business leaders here and stuff like that. And, you know, it's nice to be able to call up someone and, uh, go have a beer with them and get, yeah, Hey, what do I do with this? Yeah. Yeah. From a business standpoint. So that was really our reason for moving here. Uh, just for the amount of knowledge and information, uh, that was available out here. Yeah. How long have you been there now? Uh, we moved here October of 2020. Okay. All right. So exactly two years. Yeah. Yeah. So right in the middle of the Lord's providence with all of the nonsense that was going <laughs> on since. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We got here after then. they arrested Gabe for the. For oh, the Psalm thing. We were here after that. So, uh, so it was still kind of at the height of the left here was pretty, they hated our guts yeah. at that point. So it was probably at the peak of them really hating our guts. And uh, well, I don't think that's ever, sl- I think they still hate our guts, probably even more. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> Again, you know, especially uh, since we've grown. And- if they hated me, they're going to hate you. you know, I remember reading that <laughs> they, somewhere. They uh, really do. So, <laughs> um, Well, let me back up. You kind of mentioned this, but I do want to ask the question and, and sort of get your, your story. You said you grew up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so h- how did you become a Christian? I mean, you, you, you know, this isn't something that I mean, I, I, uh, is there a story there that not really. Um, I was like four years old. I, I think it was like younger than I remember, but I, I know I said the sinner's prayer, um, and it stuck. <laughs> <laughs> that was um, not the instrument, right? No, no. The sinner's prayer was not it, but, uh, I don't know. I think me, I think me and my mom are watching, uh, Maybe it might have been Billy Graham. I don't. I don't remember. I was four. Yeah. I and I was sitting on her lap, and I asked her questions, and I prayed, and that was that's what did it for me. And then, you know, I got connected to way the Master, and thought I got saved again. I remember Tony Miano baptized me again. Um, but as I evolved in my theology and and whatnot, I kind of realized, no, I think it's always stuck. I don't think refor- reformed theology saved me. <laughs> No, right. <laughs> uh, it would just open up my eyes even more. So, uh, in all that way, the master stuff, and but yeah, so um, yeah, I, I would say I would say now, especially as a Presbyterian, I would say that I have always been brought up in a Christian home, and you know, as Sighton Brugenkate famously says, uh, there's not been a time I don't remember knowing the Lord. So that's probably yeah. my testimony. Wow, praise the Lord for that. That's wonderful. Now let's let's delve into Lure TV a little bit. So I, I mentioned before we started recording that I I think I first I had heard about it, but I had had uh, 
Nathan Anderson on, on the bud zone. And, uh, he's, we were talking about the documentary he did on post-millennialism, um, on earth as it is in heaven. And he said, well, you really need to go to lure TV because I've got a series that I've been working on. And there were a number of episodes on there. So he sent me a link to lure. I signed up and, um, watched those things. So he kind of introduced me to it. Uh, so Nathan, thank you. Then I hear your colleague, Jason Farley on a, uh, <laughs> And we won't go here, but on a cross politic <laughs> podcast where he sort of stirred things up with the issue yeah. of individualism. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Oh my goodness. So anyway, and a, actually after that, I was, I sent him a, a friend request on Facebook and he, he replied. I'm like, no kidding. I gotta, I want to talk to this guy sometime. He's honestly, I know, I know like it's funny cause he gets in the most controversial things on Facebook or whatever. He's actually the most kind, gentle guy I've ever known, and he yeah. never means to offend anybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was it was a little bit of uh, there was some depth to that comment that I don't think most people, you know, they hear something and it sounds sensational, and they don't really yeah. think through it. And if no, you he doesn't speak sensationally it, at all. Right. Yeah, yeah. So. Like if you know him, you go, okay. <laughs> Like like this is that, that was what was so funny to me about it because I remember texting him um, some screenshots, and like his response to me was, uh, "Should should I download Twitter on my phone?" He's <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like, is it is it that bad? I was like, nah. I was like, it'll blow over. Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> and it did. <laughs> but there again, you know, you you got to fo- yeah. follow the argument instead of what you presume is the sensation yeah. about he's, the statement. He's and- one of the most intelligent people I've known. Um, yeah. ever known. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, he's our chief content officer and blessed to have him. He single-handedly assigned 27 movies and TV show contracts for us. Uh, well, that's amazing. So and, um, he's basically, so, we call him basically, he's like a pastor to the artists because oh, he yeah? basically, he, 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 he mentors them, all the artists that come to work for lore. He mentors them, helps them, guides them, um, all with this incredible ability to give them complete creative freedom in the, in what they're working on. Um, and so it's, it's been really cool. It's uh, been really cool to see sort of uh, what he's been able to, the, the, the role for himself that he's been able to build out here. Nice. So, so so I heard about you from Nathan, I heard, you know, Jason on that, on that cross politic podcast, and then you show up both of you on Eric Metaxas Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was really fun to listen to. Um, so I got a little bit broader view and one of the things, and I don't know if it was you or, or Jason that made the comment that, uh, Metaxas asked you, so what is lure? And one of you said, well, it's kind of a combination between, uh, Kickstarter and I think Netflix. And, and so that's what I want to ask you. Tell what yeah. is lure TV? Why is it unique? What's it about? How, how did you come up with a name? Um, and why should Christians care about this? Why should they be involved in supporting this? Yeah. So, um, so go ahead well, and talk. I'll be here if you need me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so lore comes from, uh, it means folklore. Um, uh, and then uh, lore, uh, L-O-R-E, uh, is, you know, it's, it's from the term laurels. Um, you know, my wife's name is Laura, uh, but basically that, that word, that part of the word, um, means to get, be a gift or an award, right? So, um, or, 
so when you see it with folklore, uh, it's coming from telling an epic, like some sort of epic story of the past about a hero or something along those lines. But also when you go to a film festival, especially in the, the independent film festival circuit like Sundance or Cannes Film Festival or anything like that, uh, they give you the 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 ivy laurels are yeah, usually their right. logo um and so that's what they would put on the heads of the olympians but it's a gift or an award and it, and 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 jason says it best i think uh basically when the the person who put on the the ivy laurels uh their story became the story of that town for that year right so wow. that's where you get folklore from all this sort of things um and so uh, basically it just means story gift award. It's like all that summed up together. Um, okay. But, but, but uh, the way we spell it L O O R uh, is turns out to be the Spanish word for praise uh, or yeah, I think Spanish word for praise. We praise. didn't know that when we started it, but, but turns out that's what it is. Um, but yeah, so it's a uh, gift award praise um, an amen to give an amen, that sort of thing. Um, and so so yeah, so I mean, it just it made sense. Uh, one, we were doing movies, and two, our 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 all platforms audience is gifting filmmakers. You're giving awards to filmmakers, and uh, you know that's what we you know what that's lore, right? Okay. So that's that's how that came about. But uh, mainly is you know I've I've been in the Christian media space for a long time. Apologia was the first place we really had the freedom to really make stuff in the Christian space. Like really just when we started Apologia Studios, we could just do whatever we want. Right. Um, and it was uh, really great um, being able to just, you know, we did the studio, we did late night TV show. We did, I mean, we, we did a video game segment. Um, it was just, and, and I realized there's nowhere real, no, there wasn't really anywhere there where Christian artists had the freedom to really make content like that. Mm. Um, Apology was the only one that was really just doing really different stuff. Um, and so that gave me a real passion uh, for that. Uh, I obviously went to Pure Flix and it's the complete opposite of uh, creative freedom for the, the oh, artists, yeah. right? It's uh, everything's made for 35 year old soccer moms um, who shop at Lifeway bookstores, uh, but there are no more Lifeway bookstores. And that's a blessing content. of the Lord too, folks. Just by the <laughs> it way, a that's a completely different <laughs> blessing. But uh, yeah, but the target shot, the target shopper, doesn't even have those stores to shop at anymore. But they're still making content. All of Christian media makes content for thirty-five-year-old shop shopping moms. That's always been, um, you know, that's why you know Lecrae got ticked off because they, they the music industry was trying to push him more into making music for. 35 year old white shopping moms. And he's like, no, I want to reach the inner city. And so he abandoned the Christian market altogether, which I think was a smart move, but then he became a Marxist to do it. And I don't know what, mm, yeah. I don't know what happened there. Uh, but I think, you know, we bear some responsibility in that we don't have the distribution platforms for different kinds of art. Um, and, well, and I was going to say you, and you alluded to it earlier that, like what you were doing with Apologia, you had you had creative license, and mm -hmm. obviously you had the skills behind mm -hmm. the desire to do whatever it was you wanted to do. Yeah. The problem is, like your documentary, you don't have a platform where you can't be canceled, and that's happening with regularity with Christians who have a 
a truly biblical Christian worldview, and they're addressing right. issues that are contrary to the narrative of the culture. Uh, you there, don't have any no that content. There are no platforms for that. Um, I can go through all of them. You know, AGTV is is a good platform, but it's mainly theology education. Um, that that's probably the only one I would consider an alternative Christian streaming platform. Yeah, uh, that's what Salem, Salem, Salem Media is getting out there. They're doing good stuff, but but then you have. You know, VidAngel, Angel Studios, they're Mormons, uh, owned owned and operated by Mormons. Yeah. Uh, and they're doing the cheesy Christian media content anyway. Um, and then, uh, you know, Daily Wire is not Christian at all. Every movie they've come out with up to this point has been uh, a female action warrior hero, um, feminist <laughs> icon yeah, right. sort of nonsense uh, that they speak against. Um, and they believe in clearly, they say they believe in clearly defined gender roles, but when it comes to the movies they put out, uh, they don't, um, <laughs> obviously. Um, and so, and so, uh, you know, so there's just, there's nothing there for Christians just to be artists and to make what they want and have the freedom to offend people. Um, and so we, we realized really the only way for that to happen is in niches. Um, and right. So, so the only way for artists to really build names for themselves doing controversial stuff is to build out, uh, niche audiences. Okay. Um, and so what Laura, what Laura allows artists to do is to find their audience and get funding from that audience. So, um, you know, a hundred percent of the people on the platform don't have to fund an artist, uh, but, the artist just has to get a hundred percent of their funding. And so um, that makes it so that one artist can tell a really crazy story to a lot smaller audience uh, than what would be required for, you know, pure flicks to take a risk, a financial risk to do national distribution of a movie theater and put millions of dollars of advertising behind it and stuff like that. So basically what we say is, look, we're creating the MTV of Christian entertainment. Um, like it's just this independent art house with punk rock Christian filmmakers who want to break all the rules of Christian movies um, and just, you know, tear down the walls and come up with something completely unique and original. And that's that's the goal. And the way we do that is, well, right now with Netflix and Disney, you're funding, you pay a monthly subscription and then that money goes to Marxist liberal executives who uh, hate your worldview. Um, and they take a portion of your monthly subscription and then they, you know, invest in the next lesbian movie or the next yeah. you know, whatever movie with a perfectly fine-tuned, diverse cast, uh, all, all these sort of things. Or they take your old movies like Disney does and then they rewrite characters because of the color of their skin and all this other weird stuff. Um, so they're basically erasing <laughs> yeah, well, and there, you know, and there's always whether it's the woke agenda or the LGBTQ yeah. agenda. I mean, I saw something Scooby yeah. Doo, which is not either one of those. I don't right, know. Velma, Velma's like, wait a minute, she's a lesbian. Yeah. Come on, yeah. So, so they're after your children. I mean, yeah, so they're, 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 they're after your this. children. Um, they're <clears> pushing that. They're they're actually worse than Pure Flix is at making preachy movies. Um, it's really bad. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, uh, you know, you're, it's like uh, pure flicks. It, it's like a, 
I don't like a Hallmark movie that's been Christianized and has got a really cheesy altar call at the end, you know, it's right. Just, uh, right. but that's not what you're talking about. That's not what no, you these movies are secularized and have, have a really gay altar call at the end. Yeah. Right. So right. that's, that's, that's what they're doing. Um, And so, so yeah. So, uh, you know, there you have, we, we realized early on doing this, there's tons of talented artists in Hollywood. I mean, I'm talking like, really talented artists uh uh chris savino is one we signed um chris savino's producer and director of powerpuff girls dexter's laboratory he was the showrunner uh this is such a fantastic story but he's a showrunner for um and creator of loud house on nickelodeon which was nickelodeon's last i think at this point was their most popular cartoon uh it might still be i don't know but um loud house was the first cartoon with a gay uh male marriage as the lead characters in it um and chris savino put that in there um and then he got uh me too'd um and he would tell you he was rightfully me too'd uh, his wife left him um and so uh through that process he became a christian like a real sound genuine christian wow and, uh, no one would hire him and uh we're like are you kidding me <laughs> oh wow <laughs> are you like Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Labyrinth. Like this guy's the Elon Musk of animation. <laughs> he built Cartoon Network with his bare hands and, you know, Nickelodeon cartoons as well. Like every cartoon he's had is a credit for a credit. You can just look at his IMDb, um, but it's insane. Um, and so, yeah, so he's doing a cartoon with us. We got one of the animators for Phineas and Ferb that's doing. They just showed it at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference so I can announce it, but it's called Barely Biblical. And it's a, uh, animated cartoon series he comes up to us i'll tell you the story because this is just how amazing it is he we're at this christian film festival and everybody's pitching us just pure flicks movie pure flicks movie pure flicks movie because they know that's what everybody wants and it's, it will sell yeah um this guy comes up to us with a napkin and he goes i'm so excited you guys are here uh, i didn't know you guys were going to be here but i know the kind of content you want and you're the only one that i can pitch this to and so he says uh so he shows us like this napkin with this you know, stuffed teddy bear drawn on it. And he goes, I want to make a show called barely biblical. And it's, uh, it's an animated cartoon show where bears stuffed animals and toys, um, are reenacting the most violent old Testament Bible stories. (laughs) (laughs) And and it is different. (laughs) It is fantastic. The show is very well done. It does not take itself seriously. Um, as a Bible, like this is not a recreation of the Bible. It knows it's not. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's for, um, basically he's like, I, I just want something fathers and sons can watch together that mothers and daughters won't. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first episode, they just actually aired the first episode at fight, laugh feast yesterday. Um, but, uh, first episodes, of David and Goliath. So you see decapitation. Um, it even, uh, even includes circumcision um, with uh, the stuffed animal tags are the reference to whether or not they've been circumcised or not. Just uh. it's really smart. <laughs> and like, like it's smart. It's really stupid and fun in the Looney Tunes violence sort of way. Um, and, and then also uh, the best part about it, I think is he thought kids are going to just watch this over and over and over and over again. So the narrator just quotes the scripture verses for that retell the story. Um, so what they're hearing when they watch it is just 
it's actual old testament weird old testament bible stories um and and uh yeah so it's just, man it's just wow. you know if you think back to the days of like you know um little boys playing with bb guns and war in their in their yard you know people don't yeah. do that anymore no <laughs> right no right and so he's like i want to go back to that time where there was actual gi joes and violent cartoons for kids um and it's just uh yeah it's really phenomenal um it's it's uh exactly i think how you would want little kids to understand old testament violent bloody bible stories um, now so let me go i've got the i've got the uh, page up lure.tv mm-hmm. and the front page here's what you've got on there and I, and i love this but i want to ask you a question about it it says finding the culture with great storytelling and not everything you're doing is animation because like i said nathan's on there and his is sort of a uh, right. his is a documentary so you do have real right. life uh, you know, real flesh actors and, and those kinds of things too. But you say unfiltered by Hollywood or church ladies lure is a crowdfunding platform that enables filmmakers to build whatever they want without the restrictive woke agenda and get paid by doing it. Now, I think that's great. You've, you pretty much already said that, but what's the deal with the church ladies, Marcus, come on, what's their problem? <laughs> Well, the church ladies is in the sense of the Saturday Night Live character, right? I got you. I got you. Okay. It's just false legalism uh, that has basically, uh, you know, when I worked for Pure Flex, they would tell you that a five-year-old and a 95-year-old have to sit on the couch and watch the same movie, and it can't offend either of them. Uh Um, And when you, that's just insane. Um, That's not real life. No, it's not. I mean, you, you can walk in a Christian bookstore and they have different categories for different age groups, right? Yeah. Um, so it's, that was just an insane uh, standard, and that's why all their movies are just so watered down and milk toast and uh, whatever. So uh, they came up with all these different standards. You know, uh, you know, one, one of one of my jobs when I was working for Pureflix was to edit guns out of movie trailers. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah, like because they didn't want to demonstrate anything violent or. Or anything like that. And so um, it was just just not a real, like there just wasn't a real standard. So that's what we, that's what we call the church lady standard where it's like, you know, anybody who might not watch this because there's a gun in it. Um, I got you. We're that, not was, making that was hilarious. I, I'm like, I'm going right, to ask yeah. you, what's the deal with the church ladies? Come on. Man. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're real. It's a real uh, marketing demographic, I think, within the Christian uh, entertainment space. But yeah. But yeah. Now, uh, okay. So you're, you're connecting artists with the audience yeah so the the way that works so how does it yeah how does that happen so like i said like now your money goes to netflix and then they just spend your money on the content uh what we do is we take the same model of the video game industry where you can buy in-game currency to spend on like you know you can spend on costumes or weapons in Fortnite or whatever whatever um uh you know you, you you buy like you know candy crush for example makes millions of dollars a day because people buy extra lives and stuff like that, right? So we're taking that same model of using in-game purchasing and applying that to streaming. But instead of like getting extra lives or something, uh, you're actually funding the movie or TV show that everybody will get to see. Um, and so it's so that's it's the same model. It's not cryptocurrency. Um, it's just fake in-game currency like the, the Fed. Um <laughs> Yeah, because when I signed up, it said you have so many lure. Was it lure bucks? It was called yeah, loot. Yeah, we call it loot. Okay. Yeah. 
and yeah and you just spend that loot um uh funding the movies and tv shows that you want to see and basically it's just the audience is funding the licensing fees uh if the project's already made and then uh if the project's not made then they're paying for the, the audience is paying for the whole production um and it's really great because the audience the artist gets to make what they want and if the ar- audience doesn't want want to see it uh, then they just don't see it yeah um they just don't fund it and so um it creates a really free market we like to say we're decentralizing hollywood we're like the uber uh for hollywood <laughs> we're just getting all the executives and nonsense out of the way and freeing up people just to make the art they want and uh so, and yeah, canceling hollywood you got a shirt that says cancel hollywood yeah cancel hollywood yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so basically just take over all the elements of hollywood production that uh are stopping Christians from making good art. So, okay. So, and as I looked through, um, you've got a section on your website, um, where there are a number of different projects that are funding soon. This, the site is not officially launched yet. You went through a beta and I don't know how I got to see it, but Nathan had sent me that. And I'm like, I got to watch and, um, I can send you an invite link for the show notes and anybody who listens to your show can sign up and watch that content. Okay. Um, so it's a pretty universal invite link. So I, I can send you that. Um, that way you guys can sign up and watch the first two shows. So, so Nathan's shows one, the other one is dark collar, right? Uh, okay. which is a really great ghost hunting documentary style series, but it's really about, actual demon possession um uh from a reform perspective actually the two guys are presbyterian but it's oh. really cool approach to uh demon possession um and actual like conversion but not in the charismatic crazy sense kind of, uh, that yeah. you would ex- you would you would expect from that so really solid uh piece um so that's been our most popular show for sure but yeah I'll put a link in the in the okay. description so we're not funding anymore uh, in the sense of you don't, you, you're not getting, when you sign up, you're not going to get loot. You can just go and watch it. Uh, but uh, basically we had a beta period from like April to June. Uh, we planned on it lasting three months, uh, but it wound up everybody joined and signed up within five to six weeks. We got 3000 users using the platform. Wow. Uh, and funded 2 million loot on those two shows uh, in like five to six weeks. And then we realized, okay, we got to shut it down and raise capital for an, a- an actual launch. Right. So um, that's what we've been doing ever since is now we're just raising capital and speaking to investors. And that that's been an interesting eye opening <laughs> approach as well. Um, it is interesting trying to find solid Christian investors who understand the power of art and media mm-hmm. uh, that's been a, a, a particularly difficult challenge uh, because a lot of Christian investors are interested in like the blaze or daily wire style talk talk radio um, we're very Christians are very facts based we're very facts and data we know there's objective truth. <laughs> Right. right. So when it comes to art, we've embraced Christians have embraced this idea that art is postmodern. And if something is postmodern, you can't attach a value to it. It's uninvestable. Uh, But art is not postmodern. Art is objectively good. God created the heavens and the earth and he called it good. 
Um, right. So there, there is an objective standard for art, but when we don't invest in art or we have, or we don't understand why you should invest in art or attach a value to art, it's because we've maybe not on purpose, but we've adopted this idea of postmodernism in art where a banana duct taped to a wall is worth a hundred thousand um, dollars. Yeah. Or even you know, more and instead of saying things. that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> we just go, yeah, I don't want to be in art space because I don't understand how to value any of that. Um, but that's not um, that's not how God built the world. Um, and, and also, you know, I made a comment on Facebook yesterday that I said Kanye West is more influential than all the Southern Baptist seminaries combined. <laughs> um, and it's true. I no think. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I you know, I think we've spent the past decade. Uh, warning of Marxism and critical race theory and all the intersections, all this nonsense. Um, but we've only been warning about it from a very high academic level, whether it's in defense of our seminaries or uh, it's uh, at five star banquet, you know, hotel dinners and conferences. Right. Um, you know, with people like James Lindsay and stuff like that. But it's like we're not reaching the inner city with critical race theory, and you know they're they're the ones being destroyed by it. Uh, but Kanye is, right? So yeah. you know you had I'm I'm sure there were I'm I'm sure I don't know this, but I'd love to see the data on the amount of like people in the inner city and projects who never watch Fox News, who watched Tucker Carlson this week uh, for the first time. Yeah, because <laughs> Kanye was on it, right? Um, you know, but you're not going to get that reaction when Al Mohler goes on a guest spot on Tucker Carlson, right? Right. Like it's just not. It's not as so. So we we place a lot more evident, uh, we, a lot more weight on the value of uh, seminary and academics and um, uh, these sort of things. But then when it comes to reaching the common person, we just don't hardly ever do anything to reach them at all. And and you can get this. This is the best way this is presented is in the book Brand Luther. I don't know if you've read that book. No. It's a book called Brand Luther. It'll it'll rock your world. But basically it talks about how um Martin Luther hired an artist named I think it's Luth Lucas Crandack. I'm not exactly sure how to say the last name, but uh Lucas. Um and Lucas this um, like he would he designed Martin Luther's book covers. Um, he did he, he drew pictures, all these sort of things um, in his books as a way uh, to make the books attractive to the commoner. So that so so that when you <clears throat> would go into Martin when you would go into a bookstore uh, during that time, you would look on the shelf and you would be able to spot Martin Luther's books just by the binding of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the art of the cover. Um, and so, and then from there, uh, they worked on using the printing press to be able to, uh, print hymns, uh, and music. Mm-hmm. That was the first time hymns and music were printed. Um, so all of the, all of the focus and, 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 and of course, and it, they also translated everything to the common Germanic language of the time. Right. So everything they did was actually focused on getting the conversations, the theological conversations out of the Catholic church, high places. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and getting it. In. Yeah. 
but we don't see that happening at all now, right? Like everything's about the seminaries and the Southern Baptist Convention. Everything's about the PCA general assemblies, right? So like everything is this, you know, we, we go on Twitter and you look at Big Eva Twitter. Um, everything is this super high level academics, which is great. Like I'm not the saying we don't need that. Yeah, but you've seeded a very big portion of, of, um, an, uh, you know, an access that you have because a lot of people, I mean, are not going to pick up a doctrine. The thing is people don't understand we had this, yeah. uh, when, when, when reach records just started out and you had the cray and shy Lynn, you had this hip hop explode reformed hip hop explosion. You had like, they were filling stadiums mm-hmm. and churches and, and whatnot. And, you know, I don't, I don't know every, I don't know everything that went into that, uh, that led them to become outright liberal leftist Marxist. But there was a time Paul Washer was performing with them uh, where he was preaching at their concerts and called them modern day hymn writers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, so you had, and they were reaching the inner cities. They were reaching poor people, uh, black people, white people. They were reaching everybody. Um, and I think what it was, it was that Christians didn't have the distribution means uh, to be able to uh, fuel what they created, right? Yeah. So you, you you've got nowhere to put the content, even if you got no you know, gift it to I do mean, it. iTunes was huge at the time. You know, they the 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 value was that they didn't have anywhere to put the content, right? So they couldn't be controlled. Um. So like Caleb. People were, people were calling into Caleb asking to play Lecrae music. And Caleb's like, well, this is praise and worship, <laughs> not hip hop. So then Caleb went and built like the Air One radio stations that could play any Different music format, that's not yeah. right and do the hip hop and stuff like that. So, but those are all Marxist then, right? So, so they were the ones that had the means right away to be able to build out those systems and infrastructure. And then from there, you know, Lecrae sells, I think we sold Reach Records to Capitol Records or some big, uh, some Columbia Records or, you know, yeah. some big record label, um, which I think he left now. He has since left. I have no idea what that was about, but uh, <laughs> I could have warned him that would have probably been a bad idea. But, you know, so who knows, like, who knows what's going on uh, with them. But, but ultimately, what I'm saying is there was this amazing movement like we can look back to in modern times to show how valuable art is in reaching very broad organizations, uh, groups of people. Um, and, 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 and we've lost it. Uh, they, it got eaten up by yeah. the same critical race theory Marxism that we've been trying to stop. And uh, you know, I think it would have been amazing if during that time, you know, Christians were having conversations over whether or not you can even have Christian rap music, <laughs> yeah. which we should have come in right from the get go and just embrace them. I think Paul Washer did that and stuff like that, but we did it from a purely, Hey, come to our church level, which yeah. when yeah. it should have been, a, I think it should have been, how can we help you grow your business level? Um, which I think that's what the Marxists did. <laughs> <laughs> True. Well, I mean, so, if you think about it from from the first of all, p- you know, people need to understand that all culture is religious. There is some right. some religious 
notion presupposition that's driving what culture is. Um, and the left they're te- your website says fighting the culture with great storytelling. Well, the left is telling stories. You, you turn really off good ones any, too, by the way. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're putting these things out yeah. there with this, you know, Marxist, evil, satanic, ungodly, you know, anti-Christian kind of narrative on, on any, I mean, we don't, I don't watch any televisions. We don't even have cable, but it's all out there. They're telling stories, but the Christians, the only stories we've had are for the, like you said, the 35 year old moms who shop Lifeway. Yeah. And, and that's a talk, Hallmark they, movie. Come on. I'm yeah. not going to sit in and watch that. <laughs> right. Uh, and when the left does tell a good story, they don't know why it's good. Um, they don't have the data or the algorithms to explain that. So for a good example of that is like the Mandalorian, which is the best star Wars thing. Star Wars Disney has ever put out um, since probably the original star Wars. Um, and then, you know, the, so, but the premise of the Mandalorian is a father protecting his son. There's adoption, there's covenant, right? Like all of that is included in this story and they don't know that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they, they're just like, oh, man, Star Wars is such a big hit for us. Well, it's no, not because not every Star Wars is uh, people are obsessed with as much as that. Right? right. So but the reason is because we're image bearers and we relate to stories of fathers protecting children. Um, and the left is trying to give us stories like bros that just came out, which was the gay rom-com, the first gay rom-com or whatever, uh-huh. which is the worst possible idea ever because only women watch rom-coms. Um, and so <laughs> you're not going to get women to watch gay uh-huh. rom-com and you're not going to get um, gay people, gay men uh, to go watch your rom-com because they're still at heart men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, so, you know, they just make this complete nonsense uh, stuff. And, the, you know, so, you know, they don't know what they're doing. Hollywood doesn't know what they're doing. Um, we we talked uh, with, um, well, I don't know if I can have that conversation, but there's just people at very high levels in the industry that are worried because their job requires distinctions between a boy and a girl. And, uh and the companies are abandoning those distinctions mm-hmm. of boys and girls. So the toy companies, for example, right? No more distinctions of boys and girls. Like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's boy action figures and there's girl dolls. Like, yeah. It's been the model for hundreds of years. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're suddenly saying, "Ah, oh, you know, what if we don't need that? You know? So, yeah, it's just insane. Um, But that leaves us with like a really prime opportunity to, build cathedrals again. Well, that was the thing you mentioned earlier. Just a couple of things that came to my mind was when you were talking about Luther, I mean, think about, I think it would, besides the Bible, the, the most, um, selling book was, uh, Pilgrim's progress. And part of the reason it was so appealing is telling a story now right. it, it's biblical. It's you know soteriological. It's it's uh, about the sanctification of a book. So you got the whole thing. But I've got a couple of old copies of it downstairs, and they're illustrated. They're yeah. you know here's Christian, and he's got the burden on his back. And so yeah. if you're reading this to a child, they're they're going to learn it, but the adult is going to see it too. It's it is yeah. telling a story that that's born out of scripture. 
Yeah. Um, I think that's that's critical because we are oriented. We're, you don't want to dismiss truth, doctrine, data, information, but it applies. There's nothing that comes out of scripture that's just cold and hard. There is an application to it for the believer to be faithful and obedient and um, and provocative within the culture to promote biblical truth. How many so how many projects have you guys got now? I mean, what 27. 27. Yeah. Yeah. So uh right now we're raising two million dollars um for our next investment round. Uh and so uh once we raise, we can bring on our developers full time and uh market the heck out of everything and launch. So okay. uh we're we're ready to go. The technology's built, the contracts are signed. Content's ready to go. Uh, we're just going to close out this round, which should be soon. And then uh, once we do that, uh, we'll be good to go. And are so, you? Is Lure TV? Is it based? Is it based in Idaho? Is it? Or that doesn't really matter, I guess, because these guys are doing their own work wherever they are. I mean, technically, we're we're based out of Delaware because that's where all companies are based. Oh, I got you. Okay, for taxes. But no, I think uh, our home. I guess would technically be here in Idaho and then, but our team's all remote. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Okay. So people will have a link that we can get people connected. And I, there is a thing on there to put your email in. So when you do launch, you're going to blanket everybody and say we're live. Here it is. Oh yeah. Oh, everybody will know. <laughs> and uh, well, right now, like it, the way you can help is, you can go to um, lore.tv and then you can either sign up as an investor. You have to be an accredited investor according to SEC rules, uh, but you can sign up as an investor uh, or you can sign up on the email list at the waiting list for the, I'm going to subscribe to this once it launches. Uh, and then uh, also if you're already a filmmaker or creator, you can fill out the forms there and put in some of your work and your IMDB and sort of the work you've done in the past. Okay. We can reach out to you. Yeah. So people, so the guys that are the the the, the men or women who are creators, they they come to you and pitch the idea, and you guys. Uh, yeah. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. And so we just make sure that we're pretty we're pretty flexible in terms of uh, the project and whatnot. Uh, the only thing we really want to verify is that they've actually made good content before. So okay. that's. That's uh what we that's as much of our vetting as we usually do. Okay. Um, and so that's just to make sure that our audience doesn't get scammed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By them, you know, making garbage for them. But and then uh, from the viewers side of it, from the audience side, it's a it will be a subscription yeah, service yeah. like Netflix or it anything will be, else. Will be and there'll uh, be as many movies and TV shows on it as you guys fund. So it'll start off small, but two, three, four years from now, there'll be tons of content on there. And uh, it'll all because of what you guys, what the audience built. Okay. So, all right. It's a, we, we call it a build your own streaming service sort of thing. I think it's tremendous. So I, I'm going to encourage everybody to, you know, to sign up and, and support this because you're, you're providing a platform that the church doesn't really have now in a in a way that's a broad-based appeal 
where you don't have to have a five-year-old and a 95-year-old sitting on the couch watching the same content. There's right. content that's appropriate <laughs> by age. Right. Um, and you see that even in scripture. I mean, there's things that you got to deal with delicately. Yeah. Like I wouldn't, let, seven year kids, old, I wouldn't then, let small kids watch Dark Holler. Yeah. Um, right. But I also wouldn't let small kids watch Matt Walsh's What is a Woman? Right. Oh, right. Uh, but, right. But that's that's not to say Christians shouldn't watch that stuff. They absolutely should watch that stuff. Um, and so, uh, you know, so but also we shouldn't make really garbage kids cartoons. No, <laughs> that parent that parents don't want to watch. Uh, we should make that. I think some of the best kids cartoons are the ones that parents like to watch, like Bluey, for example, is a great example on Disney Channel right now. Um of just really great parenting in a cartoon that makes all the parents feel really inadequate as a parent. I don't know if you've seen the memes for Bluey, but it's re- so it was really phenomenal it's a show. It's, I think it's based in Australia and Disney picked it up. Um, but yeah, I think like there's like a, a, a Facebook page called Bluey dads where, you know, look at me, dad. Marcus, I'm an old guy. I'm not into all that. Yeah, I know, but it's just to show you like, you know how influential even a preschool cartoon can be Yeah, where you have a Facebook page uh, where dads feel bad about how they don't live up to how great of a dad, the cartoon dad is right. Like that's phenomenal, right? Like it's phenomenal. That's exactly what you want to use media for. (laughs) Yeah. I like the sound of the barely biblical. I mean, that's really, uh, yeah. Barely biblical is incredible because you're putting, you're putting scriptural content out there. So that's scriptural uh, content. It's uh, a, it's goofy. Um, in the same way, I think, but I would say, you know, people say, well, oh, this seems like something VeggieTales would do. Well, it's not, uh, because, uh, VeggieTales took itself too seriously, right? VeggieTales was for most people, uh, the only Bible that they got. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. they took itself too seriously. And this is understanding that the animation is not that way it actually happened and that's the joke of it yeah yeah (laughs) right and then uh but there is actual scriptural narrative so that's in the kids heads um over and over and because they're going to watch episodes hundreds of times because they're amazing (laughs) well i'm going to watch that um so let me let let me ask this because you're in moscow you you go to i mean doug wilson is your pastor yeah what you're doing with Lure TV, this is kind of filling one of those niches that I've heard him talk about before, which is called Christendom 2.0. Is that kind of how you look at this? Yeah, I think so. What I'm excited about is like the Reformation, the first Reformation gave us technology that the world has never seen before, right? So from the printing press all the way to the internet, mm-hmm. um, you can track christian inventors all the way back you know sam morse is one of my favorite christian inventors who invented morse code he was an artist he was painting on a business trip he got a letter in the mail you know delivered by pony express uh, that his wife was sick and she was going to die and not to bother to come back home uh, because she'll be dead and buried by the time he gets home and he was just haunted by how slow communication was um, and then he, and I mean, you can read letters to him uh, on, I think it's Google books or whatever. It's like, I think it's called letters to Samuel Morris or something like that. But 
um, just collection of letters his family wrote him. His family, his his parents, when his wife died, wrote him a letter reminding him of the Westminster Confession of Faith, and just incredible, like incredible, like this guy was not like a <laughs> a Joe Osteen sort of evangelical. He was a legit Christian um, who was just haunted by how slow communication was. And then he heard he was in a bar one night and he heard these guys talking about how there was an experiment with lightning and the lightning wrapped around a mile long copper wire um, and and came out at the same speed of as a shorter uh, copper wire. And he said, you know, to the guys at the bar, he said, do you think you can communicate with lightning? Um, and they laughed at him. And then he went home and he invented the telegraph. And, you know, the first telegraph was what hath God wrought. And obviously, if you know anything about Morse code, it's just a series of dots and dashes, um, which is basically the very premise of binary code. Binary coding. Yeah. All of um, tech, digital stuff. Right. So, so, I mean, you know, you know, there, and then um, I believe there's some Christians. I, I don't know the story that, built the foundations of wireless communication as well. And so, I mean, like everything we have from printing press here is all a result of the reformation. Uh, and, and so just imagine what a new global reformation is going to be when we don't have to reinvent the printing press and we build upon, you know, what oh, we already yeah. have, you know, and I'm a firm believer that, you know, God suppresses technology and music and art and all these sort of things when the gospel is uh, not around. Right. Mm -hmm. So when we're under judgment, we get our communication distorted and our technology can't build mountains, you know, build things anymore. And then we get the gospel and we're able to go to the moon and, you know, (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) Build, Build literal buildings in the heavens, right. The international space station. Right. So that curse has been reversed. You know, Pentecost was a great sign of that curse being reversed. And so I think, you know, with every Reformation, curses are lifted. Um, And so I think, you know, I always tell people, well, the next Reformation is going to get us teleportation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, the, you know, what? Well, what's the next significant technological milestone that's going to really change the world? So well, we've got something like that in Scripture. I mean, it's final glorification, I guess, is probably... <laughs> what we would uh, look forward to. Well, that kind of, let me ask you just a couple of uh, final questions then. When you look at evangelicalism at large, when you look at the church at large, and not necessarily from this aspect that you guys are attacking with this business of Lure TV, you're, you're dealing with the creative and the art and the, and and the media element. But when you, when you look at it at, at large, what is it that most concerns you? And then on the flip side, what is it that really encourages you about what's going on? Because you just mentioned when you're under judgment. So I presume your thought is we're under judgment. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think. Well, so I, I, I think one of the things is if you look back through history is you should always build in the worst times. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think, you know, Jesus wrote a whole parable on the talents being buried in the ground. Right. Yes. (laughs) Right. As a way to, you know, not it won't gain interest, but I won't lose it. Um, And so I think that's kind of where Christians are now, especially the more dispensational you are, the more likely you are to not build for the future. I think I think, you know, just my experience over the past year 
in the Christian investment space has shown me, man, dispensationalism really has is the reason we don't have we don't own Google, right? We don't own Netflix because um, conservative investors are always looking for that very quick return, right? Rapture can come yeah. anytime, so <laughs> oh, we can't. Wow. You know, we, we we can't get a five year. We can't put in money for a company that doesn't have plans to make profit for ten years. No, right? I, you know the fact is, you go to like John Barrows, who was in a couple of your uh, documentaries on yeah. abortion. You know, you go down there to St. Andrews. What a beautiful facility that, that'll be here 250 years from now, a thousand. Who knows? Yeah. We're not building cathedrals like that anymore. No, and I really Moscow do agree is, with though, you. We are. We, we are in Moscow, by the way. I think are you? Okay. On our, it looks gorgeous. They haven't broken ground on it yet, but I think the land is bought. Um, and I think they're waiting for permits. Oh, but, okay. Yes. But generally, so, uh, I mean, for the last 150 yeah. years, Christianity has yeah. not been doing this. Right. Well, I think like in like specifically, you know, somebody told me some of the best advice was, um, and this was actually in reference to Lecrae, we're very quick to sell our company. Christians are very quick to sell their company so that they can leave an inheritance for their children. Right. So it's very easy to say, you know, Columbia Records or this big record company is coming to me um, and they're going to give me a lot more money than I've ever imagined I would have. And I'll, my, my children will be set. He said, we're very likely to do that, but uh, post-millennialism should teach us to do the harder thing of owning everything uh, so that our great-great-grandchildren can benefit from that thing that we've built, right? So that's not going to happen. And that's what we have. That's the problem we have now. You know, we look at like a company like um, Guinness, the beer company in uh, Ireland, right? Um, Mm -hmm. That was started by Arthur Guinness, um, who's related to Oz Guinness, right? Like, so like you see that whole lineage lineage that happened. And I don't think the Guinnesses own that anymore. Uh, it was relatively, but it was relatively recently that they sold it to, you know, some, you know, big beer manufacturer if, if they did. Yeah. Um, so, but, but it was built in such a way that there were three or four generations that benefited from that. Uh, and then of course, um, the people in Ireland benefited from it the most. Mm -hmm. Um, so for multiple generations and then, um, you know, I think we, I think we just, we were, we're very much into, as Christians, let's let's build a company fast, sell it, and then we can leave an inheritance to our kids. Um, as opposed to let's build a company slowly, not sell it, retain ownership, and uh, pass something down that our great great grandchildren can build. And so that's sort of what we're doing with Lore. Is that like the the hope is that a hundred years from now, Lore is still producing. Christian stories for great grandkids um, when everything else is gone. Right. And so that's, that's, that's the plan. It's harder to build something like that. Yeah. um, You know, because it would be really easy to just, you know, go to Jeff Bezos and say, buy this tech. Yeah. (laughs) But But then then it wouldn't matter anymore. Like, yeah, but you're, you're really, you know, you're, uh, you're talking about a biblical principle here. The Lord is faithful through, you know, to a thousand yeah. generations, and we we don't even think much past our children, right? Um, and so you mix in a, a dispensational view of an eschatology that has this eminence to it, 
you don't really have to think too far. You're, you're not really thinking down the road, second, yeah. third, fourth like generation. Somebody, so like somebody told me like the tragedy of like Disney's Chronicles and Narnia movies uh, wasn't that they were bad movies. It was that Disney had them. Right. Oh, yeah. Like that's the tragedy is like the rights to those movies were sold to non-Christians at that point. Like that's that's the tragedy. Same thing with Lord of the Rings, right? Like that's the tragedy of Lord of the Rings. It's absolutely terrible. That's one tragedy, but the bigger tragedy is that the Tolkien estate doesn't have the rights to that anymore, yeah. right? Because they sold it. So, you know, so that's one of the things we've been really big on in terms of for our artists and our filmmakers that sign a contract with us is they retain all ownership to their work. Um, they, cause, cause we want our, we want filmmakers to be able to pass down their stories to their grandchildren. Um, and no Hollywood studio is letting a filmmaker own their content. Um, and so we've come up with a model where us as a company can be profitable uh, but also the filmmaker can be profitable and it all is in this sort of loving your neighbor sort of mentality of we love our artists and want to help them. And so we'll help them and then we'll get, you know, the funding and we'll get uh, streaming rights uh, for a short time. But other than that, they own they own what they're making. And uh, nobody else has given them that opportunity. I don't even think VidAngel has given people that opportunity. So in, in the Hollywood, because I don't know about this industry. So, yeah. But if a, if a creator, someone creates a show, comes, comes yeah, in with the so idea, they develop it, they go to a studio and the studio buys it, they, the studio then takes rights of it. 100%. What, most of the time it's 100%. Yeah. They, so, so, but would they get royalties and, that, and that's what they... Uh, the only people in Hollywood that are really getting royalties for the most part would would, would be someone like um, Tom Cruise, okay. right? Who's just massive, big name actor. Um, he would be he, but but again, royalties is not ownership. No, exactly. <laughs> that's a, that's you're, a cut you're off letting them keep their they they I'm own. Talk, their yeah, product. we're talking about ownership. Right. So, and you're getting the rights to broadcast it, essentially. Yeah, we get the rights to broadcast it. Um, and then they get all merch, DVDs, sort of stuff. And that's because we love the artists and we want them to be able to build incomes for their families and great grandchildren and and build, you know, Tolkien and see like Lewis did estates, right? That yeah. guard their stuff for generations. Um, and so you know, that's, we think that's valuable is for Christians to own their stories. Christians don't own their stories anymore. Mm -hmm. um, if you go to PureFlix, Sony owns your stories now, right? Sony owns all the stories for PureFlix that had, right? And Sony's not even a Christian company. No. Right? So, so that, I mean, like that that's the problem. That's what the problem we're trying to solve is uh, long-term. How do we create a company that where both the artist and the distribution platform can benefit each other in long-term ways. And so I think it's wonderful how the Lord's providence brought you through all these experiences to recognize here's a viable opportunity for Christians yeah. to be involved because, you know, either cancel culture is not going to let you put stuff out there where it's you right. know, contrary to the narrative and w who else is going to do it? Well, maybe if you've got a hallmark Christianized, kind of movie somebody will take it but you guys are doing i mean you if folks can go to lor.tv and see all these things it's it's amazing so god bless you for what you're what you're doing let me ask you this though 
Here's um, my next to the last question for you, because I want to respect your time. You've been at uh, Wilson's Church there in Moscow for a couple of years. He he gets a lot of attention. He has here lately. Um, outside you know, of Moscow. Outside of Moscow, yeah. <laughs> he he he's uh, yeah. he's sort of a firebrand, and he he draws all this kind of criticism. What, what's it been like for you being in his church, looking? You know, at, I hardly I hardly ever interact with Doug. Yeah, and I think that's experience for most people. It's amazing when I do interact with him. He remembers a conversation he had with you from several weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but you know, well, why is he being attacked? Why why is he always the source of these? Well, I think because I think because he's this talent is unlike anything people have ever seen. Um it, people are like, well, one, first off, Doug is not the only elder of Christchurch. And right. somebody told me. Somebody told me before I moved down, they said, when when Doug passes away, everything's going to continue on like normal here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't believe that, but it's it's absolutely true. Like Doug um, is not the only leader. <laughs> it's a presbytery, right? So it's a plurality of elders. Um, he preaches on Sundays and he, you know, does what he does. Um, but he's not involved in everybody's business. He's not a cult leader. Um, you know, it's, it's just amazing to see the internet react to, to Doug as like this one person based off their ideas of who he is. And then like in real life, he's just, he's, he's just not that. Um, and so, so he's just exactly what you would want a pastor to be um, in that sense of uh, just very caring and kind and um, not at all involved in your day to day. Well, you know, I just he I wonder, have the time. There's, yeah. Look, there's look. I mean, like he just doesn't have the time to be a cult leader of all with all the success that he has. So he has, um, you know, in Christchurch. This is this is actually will tell you the best part about it. Um, so we have Christchurch uptown. We have Christchurch downtown. We have Christ. Well, it just became King's Cross, right? So those three church plants each have two services. So two, four, six. At six services all within uh, walking distance of each other right oh, wow. here. So, so, um, and, and then you have Trinity, which was the first Christchurch plant. Uh, and then they do two services. And then we just started another church plant f- 15 minutes down the road, I think, um, called Christchurch Troy. Um, and so there's a total of five services. And at these five services, there's nine services, right? So that and, and and most of the people who are moving to Moscow are not going to the church that Doug preaches at. Uh, they just want to go and get involved and they're moving here and just okay. you know, happy to be in this town. Um, but I think, you know, the crazy thing is a lot, which I think a lot of Christians are going to be judged for, is a lot of the hostility online from, the R Scott Clark's like all the lies about the sex abuse, all that sort of nonsense uh, is, is being fed to the left here in down in Moscow. And it creates this real hostility uh, that's uh, really crazy. Well, you Um, know, speaking to that, and I don't, I don't want to interrupt you, but I saw, you know, Darren Doan has got that sort of sit down interview where he's just kind of, he and Doug are having the conversation about, well, what about this scandal? And what about this sex? Abuse? Yeah. And I got to mention, I got to mention 
that one of the women that was uh, lying about things that happened at Christchurch, after that video dropped, she called Doug and apologized and then posted on Facebook an apology and recanted everything. Um, And then the response was, no, you 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 just got brainwashed, oh. <laughs> like <laughs> oh, right? So there's there's no there's no there's no pleasing these people. These 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 people are absolute feminists uh, in in the worst possible way. They hate patriarchy. They hate you know anything dealing with that. Um, and but when you when you come here and you actually join the church, honestly, people are so busy building things and working on their they don't really even. No. <laughs> well, see, I knew you were, you're an astute guy, uh, a faithful guy. And I'm like, I, when I, uh, I, I guess before I contacted you, uh, I thought, I didn't even know that you were in Moscow. I, I really thought you were still with Durban. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I was really excited when I heard that because I've been very impressed with a lot of what I, I see. Yeah that Doug produces all the, all the various contents. He's just so sharp on dealing with, you know, cultural issues. And when I found out you're there, I'm like, well, maybe Marcus will tell me the backside, you know, what yeah. it's really like. Cause he's not going to go join yeah, some. It's else. completely normal. Um, <laughs> it's completely normal. Occasionally walking down the street, you'll have a liberal give you a bad look because <laughs> they recognize you as being part of Christchurch or whatever. But I mean, for the most part, it's, you know, it's completely normal. Um, It's actually better than normal because, you know, most of the people you run into throughout, you know, the day is Christians. Um, Most of the businesses on Christchurch, on on Main Street, sorry, in Moscow, uh, most of the businesses in Moscow on the Main Strip downtown um, are run by Christians who go to the church. Um, so, you know, there's coffee shop, there's new St. Andrews, there's, yeah. Uh, well, Marcus, this know, sounds like just this, of- it just sounds like this wicked Christian nationalism. I mean, <laughs> it's, well, it's absolutely Christian nationalism. I don't want to <laughs> act like it's, I'm not afraid to say it, but uh, oh, you know, no. it absolutely is. Uh, and it's wonderful. Right. And all the, all the residents of Moscow are, are benefiting from the amazing, coffee shops and hamburger joints and everything that that uh i feel bad for the ones that try to boycott all the christchurch businesses because they're left with all the you know dusty dive bars and whatever else there is i don't know um (laughs) well i just wondered why you know what what are folks attacking him for now if you've got doctrinal differences okay uh pedo credo yeah all right but the church has dealt with that for a long time. And that can't really yeah. be the reason. Is it, you know, is it dispensational versus covenant? Is it, is it pre-mill? But you know, the best, the best, analogy I mean, the best analogy I've heard of it yeah. is just jealousy. Um, I think that's because what, I mean, what Doug has built here is exactly what you would want a church to do. Uh, but no one's church has done it, right? So, I mean, what Doug's done is taken 40 years, right? It's taken a long time. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, to have a church where the church community is entrepreneurial and they're literally taking the Christian worldview into business, they're taking the Christian worldview 
and they're building things like a red balloon, which is Andrew's business, which is, you know, a job board for people who are Christians or not Christians, but just are conservative and don't want to work at a liberal built like all these sort of like amazing companies that are coming out of this town. And, you know, all of these people who are attacking Doug don't have half this things built that Doug has. Yeah. Um, right. Like they, they, they've, they, ha- they haven't built a school. They haven't built any successful businesses. They've probably been as pastor, a pastor just as long. Um, and so I think a lot of it could be down to jealousy in terms of, and you know, I think one of the comments I read on Twitter was if Doug is a false teacher, show me someone who has the fruit that he has, right? Yeah. Cause you know, them by their fruits. Um, and there's just way too much fruit from Doug and Christchurch and Moscow, uh, to be able to write it off as this weird thing. Like th- there has to be grace to it. Um, yeah. you know, and then you got the faith and work stuff, which is just, I don't know how many times you could possibly explain it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I know. And that was the latest sort what do you, of What do you mean? You know, it's like, you know, Bill Clinton, like what the definition of is is like, that's what they do with Doug on. What do you mean by faith? Like, well, yeah, like, but you know, Marcus really, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but um, John Piper, who had a very similar, he speaks in a different way, but he had a similar uh, perspective uh, and I forget the book where he wrote this and he got a little bit of heat, but he doesn't get what, what Wilson does. And I'm thinking, well, you know, Wilson's post mill, um, Piper is a pre mill guy. He, he's kind of more dispensational. Um, and, and I just wonder, is that really it? But you're probably right. I mean, there's a lot of envy there for men who have not replicated, but who could, because they would employ, biblical principles and actually show faith that the Lord will do what he yeah, says he will when you, do. When you attach yourself to radical two kingdom theology for 20, 30 years, yeah. and you look back on your life and you go, man, this hasn't brought me anywhere. Uh, you could uh, stop believing radical two kingdom theology, or you could attack everybody that has more fruit from you because they don't believe in radical two kingdom theology. And I mm-hmm. think that's sort of, you know, uh, People looking back and realizing their theology hasn't really gained them much. Yeah. Um, And uh, so the response is to attack those whose theology has gained them much. And it's not just Doug, right? I just, you know. Oh, no, it's not. It's uh, the the business owners that live in this community, the Christians who live um, in this community. um, They're all focused on building things and doing things and taking Christianity outside of church on Sunday, right? Where everybody else, it seems to be Christianity ends when the service is over on Sunday. Yeah. You don't get the impression that, uh, you guys are preaching and teaching pietism and just sort of a devotional value of your faith. No, not it at actually all. It's, works. it's, it's a, a real, faith that works. Yeah. It's a real, uh, uh, you know, sword and shovel type Christianity, yeah. which is the name of one of the coffee shops here. But Oh, yeah. oh neat. The sword um, and shovel. Yeah, so let me ask you the, let me, oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, 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 that that's, no, that's fine. That's all I was going to say. Well, here's my closing question for you. Mm-hmm. And I've had people tell me this is a hard question. I don't know, but because I'm not skilled at interviewing or anything like that, this is just a conversation I, I enjoy having with people. Is there a question you wish I had asked you that I didn't ask? What is it? And, and what's the answer to it? Well, I would say, 
the one thing would be beneficial is if you're listening to this and you uh, have the ability to invest in companies at a significant level, um, whether that's because you've been doing real estate or whatever sort of um, investment you've, you've been doing that's brought you good wealth in life, I'd ask you to prayerfully consider investing in what we're doing at Lore um, and, and taking a risk, a financial risk with us and to build something really unique and new. Um, and so that that's what I would request of your listeners. They, 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 they have to be uh, an accredited investor. So that comes with stipulations of and whatnot, but that's SEC requirements. Okay. Um, but, but so they know what that is. If they are that, they know what that is. Um, and so we can have that conversation or whatever, but if you go to the, uh, lore, uh, webpage and fill out the investor form, it'll ask you those specifications and then I can reach, I can get back in touch with you. But that's what I would consider is like, if you have the ability to do so, um, and you invest, maybe sometimes you, you donate a lot of money to abortion clinic ministries, or you donate a lot of money to gospel ministries, I'd like you to reconsider and try to do that in a Christian company once where I can, we, you can get actual profit return Yeah, that you okay. can then put into the abortion clinic ministries and the gospel ministry. Yeah. Uh, but, but don't, don't separate. I don't think that that's the thing. Like I'm, I'm seeing is a lot of people separate those three things and we're very focused on the eternal rewards of investing in the gospel and abortion clinic ministry, which are all great and you should do. Um, but I think l- let's also start putting to mind how we can invest in companies that will benefit our great grandchildren um, and whatnot. So, Amen. And this is a, this is a vital part of what Wilson and others has called Christendom yeah, 2.0. I mean, this is yeah. it. Let's, let's build culture with a real, a Christian religious uh, basis. And, and part of that is media and art and storytelling and all the wonderful things that you're connecting people uh, and giving them the ability to do. So um, any closing comments? I, I really no, appreciate it. your time. I've enjoyed it. Lore.tv, L-O-O-R.tv. We will put links on the show notes and everything. And I'll send you uh, an invite link for all your listeners to okay. watch content. Well, very good, Marcus. Brother, thank you very much. God bless you and God bless what you're doing. Okay. Thank you. You are now leaving the bud zone. Thank you so much for listening. I would also encourage you to listen to a podcast that I happen to co-host with my pastor, Dr. Andrew Smith called truth for you. You can find truth for you on the Christian podcast community. Thanks again for listening. And just a reminder, no doctrines have been harmed during the recording of this episode. God bless you.